Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. The show's namesake, BJ Shea. He's here. I'm here. Oh, wow, look at that. And running the boards is Joey Dees. Hi. Hi. On today's show, we will talk with a good friend of the show and nemesis to BJ, Sean uh, from Thing 12 Games about Dice of Dragons. Do we have to? You Well, you don't have to, but I did. All right, fine. But you need to stick around, BJ, because you need to talk about some CW shows that you're still watching. Oh, the C-dub. And, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. Gonna have our blogs, podcasts, and more. Or just search for BJJ's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. Yeah, so many ways to get a hold of us, and uh, we've got a big full plate right here, so I want to get right into it with our good friend, Mr. Sean Epperson. Mr. Sean Epperson, also a member of BJJ's Board Game Alliance, was with us today because, man, I is it... Was it the first time that we met you was at ETX when you were uh, showcasing um, Dice of Crowns? Yeah, I think uh, I think it was. Yeah, because afterwards you and I got together and played uh, play some magic. Yeah, I know. I, it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away <laughs> with that one. And, yeah, it was. And uh, Dice of Crowns is a part of your Dice of series, which um, previous to the uh, game that we're going to be talking about today also had Dice of Pirates. Um, but right now, available on the Kickstarters um, up until June 22nd. So if you're listening to this, you can still go check it out uh, before then. But after then, uh, you'll have to just go to Thing 12 Games and check them out. Dice of Dragons. First off, congratulations. It's already been um, fully funded. Yeah, thank you, sir. It's always exciting. We're, we're all excited. It's always yeah. exciting when that happens. And uh, for those who don't know about the Dice of series, um, first off, it's, uh, well, you roll dice and you push your luck. Uh, but, uh, how, how do you explain it to people? So the dice system is a put, like you said, a push your luck dice game, but there's a lot of player interaction. And that's one of the key hallmarks in it because not only are you doing things on your turn, but sometimes you're going to get a symbol on the dice and you have to hand those out to other players and then they roll and they get to make decisions. So everybody's really engaged with what's going on. Now, the difference with Dragons is that Crowns and Pirates are both very competitive games, and they really feel distinctly different, where Crowns is like kind of a political intrigue. We're making alliances and it's stabbing each other in the back. <laughs> uh, Pirates is a lot more like we're just going to go at each other. You know, it's like knives to the face. It's real, real combat Dice of Dragons is a full co-op game. So we all have to work together because the one thing that is fighting against us is the Hallmark Dragon, of course. And that seems exciting because um, most of the times, yeah, it's uh, if you're doing the intrigue or just the all-out battle, um, there's a real sort of even kind of take that when, uh, depending on what you roll on your dice, they do certain things. And for some of those, you have to pass them on to other people. And that's kind of the staple of what you what you do with this in order to keep interaction with uh, everyone at the table is the fact that I may roll some dice, but depending on what those die uh, show on the face, I might have to pass it to somebody else, and then they have to immediately roll it, or they have to save it for a little bit later. Uh, I imagine that that's still going to be this case with uh, Dice of Dragons. 
It is, and that's really where the the uh, strategy comes into play because, you know, as you're handing things out, if I roll something bad, then there's a discussion at the table like, well, okay, do I need to take this bad thing and hold on to it so it doesn't mess you up or can someone else take it? And, and so there's not a whole lot of AP there. It really has to have everybody kind of come together and, and talk through things and make choices as they're trying to complete this task, which is uh, kind of a challenging one. And even moving with all of this, it's uh, this seems to be like you're kind of gearing it towards almost like a a quick to play action RPG because you're even choosing adventurers with this. Yeah, there's so there's uh, six core characters in the base game, and each character has a special ability that they get to do if they are attacking the dragon, and they have a special ability they can do by powering themselves up with these energy tokens. And they really feel thematic to what the characters are. Like, there's a cleric who's the healer. Uh, there's a bard who is able to inspire the other players, uh, but also, like, do things to manipulate the dragon. Uh, there's a warrior that is really good at, like, you know, attacking, but also his secondary thing is being able to, like, bear the brunt of the damage. So you really kind of lean into what those archetypes really are. And you even gone so far with all of this to even like um, use those abilities. They have to be powered by energy, which again is another die uh, a die phase. So it's kind of it's kind of fun how you've uh, been able to uh, create all of this. And Badger, the man who created the the dice of series, he seems to be very very in tune with everything that is going on and how to create a new but familiar game. Yeah, and that's that was the really tricky thing, especially with a co-op game, is that um, how do we create balance so that there's lots of different co-op type players. Some people want something that they they feel like if they put some effort into it, they can be successful. Some people just want, you know, kick me in the teeth, make it just brutally hard. I want that just tough as nails experience. And some people are kind of in between. And the rules that we have, there's a base rule that really kind of leans things a little bit more towards the players and makes it a little easier to try and reach your goal. And it's still going to be challenging, but it's not super punishing. But then you can add in other dragons, and that's going to up the difficulty. Or you can take away that safety net that's in the core rules, and then it's going to increase the difficulty even more and really make it punishing. So you can really kind of dial in how difficult an experience that you want. And this is one of those games, and we've mentioned it when we've had you on to talk about the uh, previous games as well. Um, it, it's super fun. The replayability is just constant because the game plays fairly quickly. And um, just the fact that it it seems one of those games that it can be a starter game uh, for your night. Um, it can be in between setups. People can do that if you're at you know a restaurant or you're hanging out with some friends at a place that you know you can't really accommodate a full game table. Uh, how portable it is really kind of keys into all of that as well because you've made it super portable. Uh, it's just one of those games that is is quick and easy to pick up, um, and but you can keep playing it over and over again. And I mean that was just by design originally too, right? Yeah, totally. We wanted something people could take and play anywhere, and everything in the game is built to be you know withstand spills and you know get dunked on in water and you know all that <laughs> kind of stuff. So it doesn't matter where you're playing. Uh, we've had people, uh, some Boy Scouts actually sent us a picture of them playing out in the out in the woods in the <laughs> middle of the rain. They were playing the game like because it could go and be played anywhere. And people really dig that. So that was really our in our mind when we were creating these and. We wanted players to be able to know, like, not just 
you know, I've got one, I don't really need the others. There's actually a reason to have all of them because we have rules that actually tie them together. So when we put out Dice of Crowns, oh. we were teasing Dice of Pirates. And when we put Dice of Pirates together, we actually have a secondary rule set that if you have both, you can play a game that has pirates fighting against one player who's the crown. And with Dice of Dragons, what we have is we have two different rule sets. We have one that's a competitive game, which has the, uh, the dragon dice against a crown. So those two games come together, and that was uh, created by Will and Sarah, who did uh, Ohaka and Project Dreamscape. Oh, wow. And then they also created a, a rule set for playing Dice of Dragons versus Dice of Pirates, which is a cooperative game. So there's reason to have them all together, and they're different experiences, but they still feel thematic. So there's, there's a whole lot of gameplay here. And we're unlocking lots of cool stretch goals as well, so now there's even more characters, even more dragons to play against. That's one of the things as well, too. I noticed that you can uh, choose which dragon because somebody now does somebody get to be the dragon or is it just kind of one of those um, off NPCs that just somebody else rolls for? Does somebody get to choose to be the dragon? Well, the players choose the dragon that they want at the start of the game. Like I said, ah, okay. this is a full co-op. Oh, okay, so okay, um, okay. you're either playing the base dragon, which is represented by a dragon coin, or you can go, okay, let's, tr- no, let's take this uh, difficulty up a little bit and you can bring in the ice dragon. Well, with the people that are backing through Kickstarter, there's another dragon that they've unlocked that uh, allows the dragon to do some really nasty things, uh, like being able to remove energy tokens. And you know, it's another like Ooh. thematic type of dragon. It's like a skeletal type dragon. Uh, there's other dragons that uh, we are going to be teasing out as we go along and more characters. So players would really get to decide like what kind of challenge we want based on the dragons that we're going to be fighting against. That is super cool. I just love the fact that you can just put extra stuff in with that, make it a fun, portable game, and uh, you can just really, it's gaming at uh, at its core is about having fun social interactions. And um, with what you have done with this, and just with the fact that, uh, you know, you've been playing board games with... Uh, <laughs> with uh, your nemesis BJ and uh, <laughs> and the and the uh, and the Omega Gamers for a long time at this, so you've had you've had the chance to um, know what works when playing games. You've gone through multiple Kickstarters of your own. You've had your own games put out there with Thing Twelve Games, not only the Dice of series, but so many more. So people need to really check out Thing Twelve Games to really kind of get the the crux of all that. But you guys know how to make a fun game. And you know how to put out a good Kickstarter. So really, that's that's kind of the key when it comes down to all of this at the very base. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, we've we've been doing it for a long time. Uh, myself, personally, I've been in gaming as a whole uh, for about 23 years now. I oh. actually got in doing uh, testing at Electronic Arts back on the original uh, Sony PlayStation way back oh, in the day. Wow. So <laughs> gaming is just in my blood, man. I've been doing it since I was a little kid and... and my, my entire career path has all been gaming. So, and the people that I work with, they're the same thing. They've been working it for a long time. So we can really bring a lot of that experience and knowledge and like really make something great for people. And I feel that doing all of this really kind of is that it, it's a labor of love. I mean, obviously you're putting it out so to make money, but you want to put out a fun game and doing that and seeing that people really need to go check out the Kickstarter. It's on our Facebook page. We've been blasting it last week. BJ couldn't even wait for you to get on and he wanted to tell everyone about it to make sure. And I'm sure that, uh, he, he has definitely helped, uh, get it out there and the word out there. And as of right now, lots of, uh, 
stretch goals for you guys to get to. Some of them have already been unlocked, like you mentioned, the new type of dragon, a new character class as well, and so much more. Uh, and even beyond just the um, funding goals, you do have the social goals as well, which is stuff as simple as people can just follow you on the social media and uh, especially like Facebook and Twitter and all of those different things to make all of that happen. Uh, how do you uh, how does the uh, how does the crowd normally feel when playtesting this game that if you that you felt uh, in terms of being beyond just a uh, a game that was originally created the the whole format the setup as a, a competitive game into the co-op does it feel like uh, it's a big change for people when it's coming down to a game like this i don't think i haven't had any bad experiences what we've what we've got back is uh you know some some pushback on like well you know this was a little too hard so we like figured out ways to make it a little easy for people and then we had some people that are like well it was a little easy and so we figured out ways to you know make it a little harder and that's why we've got you know the different rule sets allow people to kind of dial things in but nobody's really pushed back on like well i did i didn't want a, a cooperative game I, I wanted something competitive and really, if someone wants that competitive game and they want to like get into the dice of Dragon's game, well, they still have that option. If we unlock that stretch goal, that they can bring in one of the other games, and now you've got a competitive game that brings in some of these elements. So there's a little bit there for for everyone, right? That is awesome. And again, uh, Dice of Dragons, the uh, the final game in the fantasy trilogy of pocket sized tin games. Uh, amazing i mean just at the simple fact of this i mean like you have to get all three of them because they just work so well together and it's a part of a trilogy you can't break up the trilogy everybody <laughs> exactly <laughs> again you can check it out on kickstarter if you uh if you're uh, checking it out before june 22nd go and find it you can search for dice of dragons again go to thing 12 games find it there uh, also on all of our social media you can check all of it out uh, good luck with it, sir. I mean, you've already got that, but let's get more of those stretch goals done. And I mean, even you're able to support outside of the U.S. with shipping with people who might not be able to get it right away. I saw one of your posts about that. So you guys are making it happen. You're making sure that people can get this wherever they are without too much problem. Yeah, exactly. Shipping's a real pain in the butt for everybody, and I think anyone that has tried to buy something outside the U.S. or is outside the U.S. trying to buy something from the U.S., it's really expensive. But uh, we figured out a way that people can kind of partner together, and they can get multiple copies, and they'll actually be able to reduce the price down, so it's really, really reasonable. So we, we're really trying to make it easy for people and not you know really bankrupt you just to try and get the game. We want to help people in, in that endeavor. See, everybody, there's no excuse not to go out there and support indie board game and card game and dice game designers out there. We try to highlight all of those because there's some fantastic companies out there making some stuff, but there's some great smaller companies and individuals putting out some fantastic things. And again, Thing 12, the Dice of Series, and so much more with all of that. Uh, thank you so much, Sean, for spending some time with me, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's always great to be able to talk to everybody and you know, kind of get the word out. And hey, we love you guys. It's always great Aww. talking to you, sir. <laughs> Awesome. And again, Dice of Dragons is getting towards the end of the Kickstarter. Go check it out. This is one of those great games, and literally it comes in a tiny tin that is very portable, very easy to do, and you should get up all of the dice games, uh, the dice of games, because Dice of Pirates, Dice of Crowns, and Dice of Dragons, they work well together or by themselves. Yes, sir. BJ? Yes. You've been watching some CW shows. 
Yes, I have. Which ones are still uh, going on now, anyways? Uh, oh, listen, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know. Uh, oh, I, will, uh, I mean, look, Flash is Flash. Uh, the sad thing, though, is is that one of the characters is leaving the show. And um, as a matter of fact, uh, this, uh, I believe, uh, tomorrow night uh, is going to be his last episode. I think it's on Tuesday. I never know because I never watch Flash. I only watch DVR'd. But uh, <laughs> if, it was, if it wasn't last night, it is uh, tomorrow night. It's sometime this week. Cisco's last show. And... Um, the uh, you know, and, and the actor playing Cisco was like, yeah, I'm done. Uh, it, it's been a lot of seasons. It's been obviously. a long time, yeah. Yeah, it really, really has. And um, so, I mean, I can I completely understand uh, you know why he would want to leave. And I'm trying to say the actor that played Cisco, but for some reason, I don't know. I'm looking at top cast, and they don't want to. Oh, it's Carlos Valdez. Thank you. Mm. Um, and Carlos has been fantastic. I love his Cisco, and um, he will be missed. Uh, he was the genius of the show, also played Vibe, if people know that DC character. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's going to be gone. We'll see how he goes out uh, with this week's episode. Uh, they re- they resolved, um, uh, uh, you know, an arc in the story where, uh, you know, the Speed Force, which is all how, like, the Flash gets his powers— uh, it, it comes from something called the Speed Force. Well, they they basically personified it in the body of his mom, his dead mom. So they had that whole oh. thing where he's hanging out with his dead mom, uh, who's really the Speed Force. And uh, then there was a bunch of other forces that were created in order for Barry to get his powers back. And you know, and, and hey, they resolve that thing CW style. <laughs> That's all that. I gotta say. Is you know, uh, you know, it's it's totally CW style. You don't sound so uh, enthused about that. Now, you know, it's been what? How many seasons? Seven, eight seasons? Yeah, about I, seven you know, seasons. I think. Yeah, yeah. so. You know, it, that's a lot. I had the same feeling with Arrow, you know, when they were at that point. It's like, that's a lot. You see the same plot devices. You get frustrated when a character should be smart enough to not do the things that they did because, well, you did that in episode four. Uh, I should say season four. And then in season two, you told people not to do that. And so how is it you were able to inspire people <laughs> and then you turn around and be that same moron? It just gets old. I, yeah. I know they've got to come up with things and they have to, you know, create drama. And it's the old Doctor Who, like, oh, look, the companion's going to trip because they need to kill 20 minutes. And so, therefore, or someone's going to get captured and locked up. And so, you know, we need an episode to fill. Uh, it's frustrating. Uh, with that said, though, um, let's talk about another CW show that I'm watching, which is actually, I am surprised how much I'm enjoying it because it's my least favorite character in the DC world, and that's Superman. Oh. Yeah, like they brought back. Now I don't know if uh, anybody. I mean, I think Vicky and Joe wouldn't remember, but I think you do remember uh, the New Adventures of uh, Lois and Superman. Is that yes, the one with Lois, and Lois and Clark. Yeah, the New Adventures Terry of Superman. Hatcher. Yeah, Terry Hatcher. Yeah. I always destroy I, this name. I but, never. I've never seen it, but I remember seeing pictures of her and him. So when they brought when they decided to bring this back in Superman and Lois, uh, I was kind of interested, but then again, the old CW thing made me say, ah, I don't think I'm so interested in it. But you've been watching it and you think it's cool? Yes, I do. And the one good thing this has going for it, Rev, is that the the main characters are older. So, you know, Flash and his peeps are basically 20-somethings, mm-hmm. you know, getting close to being 30-somethings. Uh, whereas with uh, Superman and Lois, they are they are parents of 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 like teenage children, so that puts oh, them that puts them at least in their late thirties into their mid forties, mm-hmm. uh, and and that I like I like that because okay they're a little older their drama is at least parental drama <laughs> as opposed to young persons I don't know if she loves me and why you this and that and, uh, enough. yeah you yeah know. yeah um, so that drama is cool. 
And um, it is an interesting storyline. I mean, the storyline is quite fascinating because I don't read a lot of Superman, so I don't know about the black suit Superman, which we saw a oh, bit of yeah. that, obviously, in uh, Zack Snyder's uh, cut as well as, uh, you know, just in Justice League. But we are now seeing some black suit Superman action from a parallel, you know, you, you know, another Earth. And it is, um, it's good stuff. Uh, I, I wish that was all it was. I mean, there is C-Dub in there. You know, the drama with the kids and they're, they're in high school doing what they're doing and the birth of Superboy and him trying to figure out how he's dealing with his powers. And so that's kind of cool. Uh, and, 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 you know, Clark and Lois raising two children, one who's got powers, one who doesn't. And of course, Lois doesn't have powers. So there's a little bit of a faction in the family of the two unpowereds with the two powers. It's and, fun, it's fun to kind of explore that dynamic too, because, uh, I mean, we've seen it in a less, uh, serious or even, you know, semi-serious thing with MODOK, um, because one of the kids doesn't have powers. The other one is a giant head walking around with teeny <laughs> tiny legs. So it's kind of entertaining on that end, but it's good to see that sort of dynamic because it's like, it's almost like uh, a like first child versus you know baby of the family sort of dynamic at that one is special more you know more special than the other and you got to kind of deal with that and they gave you a switcheroo with that because there's one son that was really quite socially awkward kept to himself just played his video games and the other one that was the captain of the football team and they made you think when powers were being manifest it was the football team captain that got them and that was a nice little switcheroo. As it turns out, it wasn't him. Oh, that that's, actually yeah, had that the is powers. fun. That, so that means video games do do give you superpowers. They do help you, as a matter of fact. Yeah, <laughs> there's a, a great character, um, and and actually, I mean, the, the last couple of episodes uh, really have been good. I have to say, because of the fact that um, there's a character who has been hunting Superman, and we were learning more and more about him. First, we thought he was some sort of relative of Luthor, uh, Lex Luthor. And again, I know nothing about this, so I'm, I imagine DC fans who know the books and know where all this is coming from probably recognize this character right away. But I didn't know who he was, so I thought he was a Luthor. But as it turns out, he's from another 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 universe and oh. he's trying to kill superman i mean he wants superman dead and and he has a good reason and slowly but surely we've been seeing the reason and oh my god when we see his backstory does it cross over to the world of what's going on with superman lois and clark that you're like Wow. And um, there's some powerful stuff. I, I, I have to say that I, I was really touched by some of the last episode. Um, and I really I think it's my it's my favorite CW series. And I think because it's closer to my age group, even though still they're 30 <laughs> years younger than me, um, I still and I really want to see where this Superman black suit Superman and the Kryptonians and what's happening. I want to see where this is going to go. It's actually intriguing wow. me. Again, it's a CW show, so I mean, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, have to put up with a lot. They got but. you super interested in a CW show and a Superman show. But they did that with Arrow. They did that with Flash. <laughs> so I'm sure by season seven, I'm gonna be like, yeah. I hate these people. <laughs> well, until then, you can keep on watching it. But for right now, we need to get to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what's going on? So I feel like a uh, movie and TV show trope is the goofy side character, the goofy sidekick to the bad guy, or just a random goofy friend that's just really dumb and silly. Yep. But there are a bunch of them that are actually low-key geniuses. Really? And you better not have Jar Jar on this list or else we're done. Or we're done. I'm throwing this list right out the window. My give up. Stop it. What is yours, Joe? What do you think? Ron from Harry Potter. Uh, You you think he's the goofy sidekick? He's the goofy sidekick that turns out to actually be... 
really smart. Oh, all right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Ron oh, is yeah. not on this list, oh, but man. we what? do have, for number one, a Harry Potter character. Oh, Goofy sidekick. Is it Longbottom? No. <laughs> Goofy, oh, and wow. by the way, Goofy could mean like either, you know, dumb or silly or quirky. I'll kind of oh, crab and Goyle. I mean, at that point, if we're talking about sidekicks for for you know Draco, those two those two were and, really very dim. And I should say, goofy side characters, not just Ooh. limited to side. Oh, you know, okay, okay, goofy. okay. Oh, is goofy. that? It's got to be Hagrid then. Mm-hmm. Hagrid's kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. I have named three really goofball characters, you're, and that's not it. Yeah, you're missing out the biggest one. Hedwig. That's a, I no. knew it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, he was he. Yeah, I mean, well, that, Ron's owl was or, or Scrabbers. No, who had a yeah? Scra- Scrabbers. Scrabbers was bad. So yeah. this person in the very first line of this says is the very personification of the word quirky. Luna quirky. Lovegood. Oh well, that's not goofy. Goofy to me is not quirky. Yeah, like, that's Luna why, Lovegood. That's is, why I explained it. It could be goofy, quirky. Oh, Luna Lovegood was awesome. I, I I love that character and that whole family because, man, you know, I mean, they really had a cast system in that world of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Even though J.K. Rowling, for some reason, has decided to be turned into an idiot in her life, right? Uh, based on other things. Yeah, I, 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 Luna was awesome. I, I, I really, really liked that character. So. According to this article, the way they that why they picked her is that she's absent-minded to the extreme, but at the same time has a warmth and charm that brings that she brings with her. And she yes. relatively has a small role in the franchise, but she carries with her cult following. And the important aspect of this character is that she seems ditzy, but she was sorted into Ravenclaw, not Hufflepuff, like most people would have assumed. Uh, while it seems silly in the early part of the franchise, or she seems silly, she eventually comes to be the leader in Dumbledore's army, the school in-school rebellion that is working to prepare for the upcoming Wizard War. Not exactly what the audience initially expects from Lovegood, but she's full of surprises, and she's incredibly wise and unfazed by the silly actions of the students around her, even when they are hiding their possessions from her. As she explains to Harry, things often have a way of coming back to us, even if they aren't how you expect them to. Oh yeah, she was she was wise, and it was almost like she existed between realms. Like she was, I mean, I don't know. You, I almost would call her on the spectrum in the world of the wizarding world because she just was seeing things and interacting with life in a way that average human beings weren't, and was very wise in uh, among her years, uh, for her years, I should say. Uh, I never saw her as ditzy, and, and mm. I really looked at her like, whoa. This is an old soul that's been through a lot who sees things in such a way that it knocks her out of reality because she's being flooded by seeing other images from other places and, and other input. Um, yeah, I never saw her as ditzy. I really, really loved and the And the actor, I can't think of her name at this time, but boy, was she good. She really, really, because I read the books too, and I really loved her portrayal of Luna. Such a such a good job. Yeah, good call. I, I'm glad she's getting some love because she deserves it. The more you're talking about this, it makes me realize one of the characters that I thought was fantastic in a recent addition to the MCU would be Mantis because she's absolutely quirky, but also very essential. And really, I mean, she yeah. was used a lot for just, you know, kind of jokes a lot of the times, like take, uh, what was it? It was... Uh, um, um, kick names and take ass, yes. or something yes. along those lines. Something along those like just the silly things like that. But also, like she was very important to move the story forward. Uh, in, in both yeah. movies that she was in, absolutely. Or, yeah, yeah. Two movies. Uh, she she was in also uh, the well, Avengers. technically three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But she's actually number three on this list. Oh, and that's oh the same good reason. call, Rev. Good call. 
Uh, because, yeah, she does seem like she's just there for to be, you know, the f- like made fun of in a sense or just being used to kind of move the jokes along. But she did move the story along, like Rev was saying. And she's mostly emotion at that point, or at mm-hmm. least being able to convey emotions and affect those. So she's very, um, uh, very uh, uh, attuned to those. Mm-hmm. And also she doesn't have those social skills to, like, keep the keep it down. She's like telling people exactly what happens or how they're Love feeling. That. Yeah, uh, num- I love that about her, that character. Number two, we're going into the realm of fantasy. Ooh, fantasy. Take a guess? Well, Harry Potter was fantasy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Samwise, the, whatever yes. his name is. Yes. Samwise Gamgee. Yes. yes. Yeah. Wow, good See, call. Samwise is a silly, modest being, even by the standards of hobbits, and he only gets caught up in the journey in the first place because he was gardening for Frodo. He accidentally falls into view, and Gandalf decides that he would make a great companion for Frodo and sends him along as the friend. Potatoes. With his friend. And while Sam stumbled <laughs> into the journey, he's a huge part of his success. When Frodo is believed to be deceased for a time, Samwise takes up the journey on his own and tasks himself with destroying the ring. Sam is one of two beings to ever willingly give up the ring, and the other is Bilbo, and not even he surrenders it as easily as Sam. Yeah, exactly. It was like he was still even asking for it back at that point in time, too. Sam was like, no, I don't, I don't need this, uh, yeah. which is amazing. Sam, uh, you know, simplicity is really underrated in mm-hmm. the human experience, and I love that character as well because he really true was he, he truly was a wise being who, uh, you know, didn't let his mind run away with him. His mind was not his enemy. He wasn't clouded by thoughts and beliefs and an overworking brain. Uh, and sometimes we look upon that as, oh, that guy's simple, that guy's mm-hmm. stupid. But no, there are many people that pay a lot of money in seminars and go to a lot of therapy <laughs> to get to Sam Wiseland. They yeah. do. And I feel yeah. like a lot of movies and shows and stories kind of center around like being true of heart. And it's usually the the main protagonist or that is that person. Mm-hmm. I think in this case it was him. Yeah. Yeah, I really do on that one. This one is, I don't know if you guys will know this character, but I know I do. Joe might. Kronk. Kronk. Sounds familiar. From The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, oh I haven't seen, I haven't seen The Emperor's New Groove, nah. I recently wow. recommended it to a friend who's got a kid. He didn't really feel for it, and it sucks because it's one of my favorite ones, and Aww. I'm kind of I'm like, ah, oh, dang it, I was hoping you'd like it. But Kronk is, so the main baddie is uh, Yzma, who is portrayed by the Earthic, late Eartha Eartha Kid. Kid. So she, good. She Eartha is Kid's phenomenal. Fantastic. She is yeah. phenomenal as uh, Yzma. And she's like his, like they, I think he called it like the new model this year, the dumb sidekick, if you will, to her, uh, <laughs> is Kronk. And he's very much a dummy. Like he's trying to kill a fly and ends up slapping himself in the face. Oh, he's a himbo. Yeah, he's a himbo. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so in this article, it says referring to Kronk as a genius in the traditional sense doesn't make a lot of sense. But as the old saying goes, you can't judge a fish by how well it can climb a tree. So Kronk may not be able to understand simple commands or tasks or possess the mental capacity to remember which lever to pull. Pull the lever, Kronk! Kronk lever! No? Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, you know what, Vicky? I've got to watch this movie. It's been recommended by you. Now it's gone on a list, and it's like, all right, I'm going to put it in my calendar. I'm going to finally watch Emperor's New Groove. Wow. I'm going to do it. It's one of those, yeah. like, I'm very curious to see if you'll like it or if it's just kind of past its prime. Uh, but he is still an incredible chef, which we found out in the restaurant scene. He's able to completely make all these foods and do all these crazy things, has superhuman and his, like, athletic abilities. And, you know, he is actually pretty awesome in a lot of ways. And I don't want to spoil it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't say anything. Let's quickly and, run down uh, the, uh, the rest of this. And Eartha Kitt, very quickly, Eartha Kitt, of course, was one of the Catwomen back in mm-hmm. the Adam West Batman. Absolutely. And Batman. And she was, oh, Eartha Kitt was so damn sexy. <laughs> 
I was a young man turning into a young boy turning into a young man when that show was on. And oh my God, Eartha Kitt was Jeez. like, I can't watch this show anymore with my parents. Wow. Like, like her, her, like, and I know she's always had this like robust like way of talking. It was just always super. What a voice. Yeah. It was re- like, yeah. And I feel like Fantastic. her being as Yzma, like just she really upped the ante i think she was a great cat woman if you you need to go back and watch her episodes just to be able to go whoa the 60s and that batman had its moments uh number five is Luis from the mcu if you don't remember who that oh, is Clay, yeah. he's the one that always gives the rundown of what's going on very perceptive if yes. you think about it considering the fact that he's been able to run down all of the events as he's been asked can I ask a question? Because we had multiple writers on the on Ant Man. Was that our buddy that did, that that came up with that? Oh, Edgar yeah, Wright? That, that's I'm a good sure question. I don't know because yeah. I want to give him credit if he wrote that. Because of course, Rev and I are real huge Edgar Wright fans, and we've had a chance to meet him and talk with him, and he's just a brilliant person. And I do, I want him to get all the credit, and I'm mad at Marvel for him not being part of the MCU. All right, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, because you're right, Vicky. I, lo- I I love that character. Very very good character. Uh, number six, Silent Bob. Yeah. Never says anything, but he's actually very intelligent. Uh, well, he comes out is, with the, yeah. Uh, yeah, he does. He comes out with the, uh, basically kind of like the, the, the bow to tie everything together. Yes. Uh, a lot of the times or those, those words of wisdom when they're most needed. Right. And yeah. like when he just dropped, like, I can't really remember the scene in Clerks, but like at the very end he says something like, yeah, you know what? Like, boom, Plus, mic drop. Plus, uh, really, I mean, you talk about a geek ambassador. There's a couple of them who I got a lot of love for, and Kevin Smith is one of them. Every Same. time he goes on Facebook, the man is just a a pillar of great Facebook inspirational messages that reminds me that geeks have a big heart. Uh, uh, Kevin is, man, he's just a fantastic dude. Uh, so one of the other characters being Barry, and I believe this is from Jack Black playing him in, I believe, High Fidelity. You guys oh, I, that? Yeah, high wow. fidelity. Was I that John Cusack? Yes. Yes. Oh, so wow. Yeah. High fidelity is the film from Jack Black's earlier years. Viewers weren't ready for this comedic character's pipes at the end of the film. And when it finally comes uh, time to Barry to prove he has the chops, uh, because he was always the he was a record store clerk that spent all his time berating everyone else for their musical taste. And so really, he was kind of a horrible employee at that point. Uh, <laughs> but he absolutely nails his performance. The yeah. surprise is felt by everyone, including the characters in the film, as John Cusack's character shock characters. The shock is, is as palpable as his longtime no good employee croons on the stage. Yeah, you know, you love, you know, it's it's like, okay, I guess this guy had a right to be this much of a douche. Right. <laughs> Number eight, the Scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. He had a brain the whole time. If I yeah, he had did. A brain. He Num- was a great, you know, th- th- God, such a wonderful movie. I know it's a thousand years old, but, you know, he was the first one she discovered. So he was with her pretty much almost the whole journey. And such a wonderful, you know, uh, piece of wisdom for her, you know, and then, in, you know, in the real life when she wakes up and you could see those farmhands really cared about mm-hmm. her. And he was the, like, he was the one that was just like, yeah, you know, it was like, hey, man, um, got to bring the tear to my eye. I love Aww. the scarecrow. Yeah, the scarecrow, especially when he's getting ripped apart, you know, and no. you're like, oh, no, oh, he geez, was the yeah. first dude. Uh, number nine being Dory from Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Yeah. Number 10, oh, yeah. Ducky Dale. From Pretty in Pink? Yes, yeah, see, I don't remember Pretty in Pink I at all. Either. So it's oh, kind of yeah. like one of those ones where I'm like, oh. yeah, I don't know about that one. I forgot. 
Number 11, Fogel, a.k.a. McLovin. Yes. McLovin! Yeah. Number, number 12, Allen from The Hangover. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was the main reason why everything went to hell. But, but also <laughs> how they ended up with money. Yeah, yeah. The big, the big brain uh, method when it comes down to it. So absolutely. Can, can I give a little love to Neelix from Star Trek Voyager? Because yeah. that everybody, a lot of people hated that character, but he was the quirky and actually kept those people together as they were pretty much lost in space. Uh, in a place where they didn't know where the hell they were. I, and Neelix really helped out the crew in a lot of ways. Oh, so, good. Nice shout out there. Lots of love for Neelix. <laughs> well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.